Good to see you. So um, super um, thankful today uh, to get to invite some new friends up. And uh, we have, I'll invite them up in just a second, but um, our part of what goes on with Blessed City Church, we want to be a church overflowing with His presence. That means people encountering God, and then it overflows into our community where the lost are saved, God's exalted, culture's transformed. That's what we're that are desiring. Now, part of that is to go where no one's ever heard Jesus before. So that's Wednesday nights. We want people to encounter the love of God, who He is. But that's also your Asia in the middle of nowhere where no one's ever heard the name of Jesus. They don't know who He is or anything. And part of um, why I asked Colby and I, Cassidy, I knew I was going to do that, Cassidy to come, is they're going to places where people have never heard the name of Jesus. And I really want Blessed City to be a church where we go to those that have never had the opportunity to hear. So can we, um, can we, they're leaving in September to go there. Can we actually just stand, and I just want to honor them, even before they come, that they would go, and let's just give them a hand. And thank you guys, and why don't you guys come and share? Thank you so much, Pastor Jeremy, and bless the City Church. You know what? This is just seriously a joy for my husband and I to be here today. This is wonderful. This is our first time at this church. So you guys, oh, I see an ear over there. I better speak up a little louder. <laughs> I'm pretty loud, so I'll shout. Is that good? <laughs> Well, as Pastor Jeremy said, I'm Cassidy, and this is my husband, Colby. And fun fact about us, I love to tell people who have never met us before this fact. Colby and I have known each other since the age of two and three years old. So I just love that because the Lord has just prepared us and has just had a plan all along. So thank you for having us here today. Bless the City Church. Well, before we get started, um, we always like to take the time to pray, and I'm going to ask that you guys would pray with us, because yes, we are going to share with you guys our heart for unreached people groups and what an unreached person is. Um, we have a sermon that we want to share to challenge you guys, but this is really just the Holy Spirit moving this morning, and we want to invite the presence of the Holy Spirit, because um, this is the Lord's time. And we're just going to share with you guys what God is doing in some very far away places. So would you guys agree to pray with me this morning? Father God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for Bless the City Church. Lord, we just thank you for this morning, Lord Jesus. We just invite the presence of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus just to come in here. We thank you, Father, for your presence, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God, for your mercies, Lord Jesus. We ask that your words come through us, Lord Jesus. We pray that you speak to all of us, Lord Jesus, each individual person here in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you in advance for what you're going to be doing in Bellingham, Lord Jesus. We thank you for what you're going to be doing in Eurasia, Lord, and continue to do. But we just give this day and this sermon to you, Father, in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So my wife and I, we are somewhat new missionaries uh, with the Assemblies of God. We've done one term. Um, we're getting ready to go back. We bought our plane tickets. So it's official. It's official. <laughs> We've received all of our final clearances, and we fly out August 29th. That's when we leave. We get to go back to Eurasia. Specifically, we're in central Eurasia, and I don't know if there's a PowerPoint, but there's a cool logo there at the beginning. 
But we're in central Eurasia, and our heart is for the unreached people groups of Eurasia. Now, what an, a UPG is, or an unreached people group, that is a group of people that have never heard the gospel, or they don't have access to the gospel. And before I get carried away, thank you, um, we actually do have a video that we want to play. And if that video's ready, we'll share that now. Live Dead is a call to plant churches among unreached people groups through teams. The heart of Live Dead is to respond to the challenge of access. We are responding in a very simple way. Planting churches among unreached peoples through teams. Teams are groups of people who live in the same city or village. And meet weekly to pray, evangelize, disciple, and plant churches together. We know that we are stronger together than we are apart. We work in partnership with national believers and the wider body of Christ. Churches are groups of local men and women who have abandoned their former way of life to follow Jesus. Some gather in church buildings, but most will meet secretly in houses. Churches are groups of believers committed to teaching and learning the Bible. Spending time with each other in Christian fellowship, to celebrating the Lord's Supper and baptism, and to a lifestyle of abiding in Jesus. The Live Dead focus is on access to the gospel. We know of entire countries with fewer than 10 known believers. There are almost 3 billion people and approximately 7,000 people groups in the world today that are unreached. Our goal in Live Dead is to respond to this great need to plant churches that multiply effectively in their own culture. Live Dead is currently active in training church planters and launching church planting teams in eight major regions, Africa, the Arab world, Silk Road, Iran, India, Origins, Russia, and China. In our world today, unreached people tend to be found in countries at war, inhospitable climates, dense cities, unstable governments, and in the midst of challenging security circumstances. Motivated by the love of God, we go where there are no churches and no Christians. We go where there is no gospel message and where Jesus is not glorified. We go for the single and uniting mission of the church. To bring glory to the name of Jesus among every tribe, nation, and tongue. That is why we live dead. Planting churches, unreached people groups, teams. Yes, yeah, so my wife and I, we are serving with the Live Dead team. And because of the sake of security, we're being live streamed. I'm not going to... Hello, everyone online. Um, because of that, I'm not going to tell you the specific people group we're working with, um, but they are a Muslim backgrounded people group. We're going to go to that next slide with that list of countries. So we work with people groups where there is an intense rate of persecution. And our specific people group that we are with, they have a constitution like we do in America. But their constitution says that apostasy or conversion out of Islam to Christianity is punishable by death. That's literally stated in their constitution. It's also stated within their laws that you cannot use the language of that country to share the gospel verbally or print gospel materials in their language. That said... It actually helps us a little bit because when I meet a Muslim 
that's our people group, and I share with them in their language that I'm learning, and I give them a Bible in their language, they're too curious not to take it and see why their government is saying no to this. It actually, in turn, helps us in a way. These are the top 10 nations with the highest persecution against Christianity, and I highlighted Afghanistan in red because I want you to note that for a second. Eight out of these 10 countries are Islamic background and have Islamic oppression. We've got Afghanistan, North Korea, Somalia, Libya, Yemen, all these countries you recognize probably from watching the news, okay? Again, Afghanistan, the number one nation. Go to the next slide, please. This is my heart. These are the top 10 countries with the fastest growing church in the world. The top two, Iran, and the second is Afghanistan, Okay, that's nuts. Seven of these countries are Islamic backgrounded. Some of these are Buddhists. Is India up there? No, India is not up there. But most of these countries are Islamic backgrounded. Why is that? Why do we see this disparity where these Muslim countries with high persecution rates are also hosting the fastest church, churches in the world? I mean, give, give me a break. Iran and Afghanistan. Iran is on track to becoming a Christian nation in roughly 50 years. That's nuts. It really gets me going when I talk about this kind of stuff, because that's my heart. What we're hearing and seeing with our Muslim backgrounded people is that where the gospel is not preached, where there is no missionary presence, the Holy Spirit is meeting these people. I personally heard testimonies where Muslims are having dreams and visions of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, not the prophet, the Messiah, and meeting them. I'm hearing testimonies where Muslims back behind enemy lines where, where Islam is propagated so hard that they are coming in contact with churches, house churches. The house church movement, and I do mean house church, we'll explain that in a second, the house church movement is multiplying crazy in these nations. Cassidy, you're going to talk a little bit more about what our job looks like. If we could go to the next slide, please. Yes, so I love this picture. We had to blur out some faces for security purposes and reasons. But we are asked the question a lot. Okay, so you're in a persecuted part of the world. It's hard to reach them. So what, what does that look like? How are you able to reach these people? And the best way we know how to explain it is there's two kinds of churches, and both are vital, both are needed, and both are valuable. One of them is the Elephant Church. Colby and I are a product of the Elephant Church. We're in the Elephant Church today. We love the Elephant Church. And what I mean by that is anyone who saw outside, they would see our cars, they would see, okay, there's people in that building. There's people there. They're together. They're in church. They would know what we were doing, right, and that we're all together. Well, in the context of where we work and what we do, we can't do that. So even though we love the Elephant Church, we're not able to do that in this big of a setting. So we have to do what's called Rabbit Church. And what that means is we meet in small groups we can meet anywhere between four people to eight, maybe 10 at the most. 10 is pushing it. <laughs> and we, we have met on park benches. 
We've met on mountaintops, having a picnic at midnight at night. I mean, God is pretty creative. Churches, rabbit church, we're small. Rabbits, they're quick, so they're able to move around for security purposes, and they multiply like crazy. And that's a rabbit church. And that's what we get to be a part of. And it's exciting what God is doing. And here's an example right here is our team is so blessed to be able to have a coffee shop. This is our coffee shop right here. We're on a team. Praise God for teams. We love our team. And here are some Iranians that we were discipling, having house church with. And in this coffee shop, we're able to have rooms in the back to have discipleship times of church in a safe place for Iranians. So it's really a great cover for us, but it's great for the gospel. And so we're just excited. If we could go to the next slide, please. We see here, pray for the harvest. Colby, can you share that? Do you guys have your English translated Bibles? Okay, we're going to open up to Matthew chapter 9. And I'm one of those participatory people, and I like us to read together. <laughs> I'm going to read it because this is the ESV. You may not have the ESV. But I want to read this because this is a very important part to our message today. Starting in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Yes, Amen. When he saw the crowds, Jesus, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That's a command by God, that we are to pray regularly and earnestly for his harvest fields. Let me tell you another statistic off the top of my head. For every 10 missionaries on the field, seven of them are women. And my hats are off to you women. You women, you are killing it over there. I am not kidding. Praise the Lord. We have so many women in our team. And that is especially important in the context of us because we work with Muslims. I specifically have a heart for Muslim women. Women are oppressed. I could go on and on. I'm not going to get too carried away. Don't worry, Cast. But we need women. She keeps me in track. I don't want to go on a bunny trail. We need women on the field to reach around our Muslim-backgrounded women. But we also need men, okay? There are only three men on our team specifically counting me. When I was on the field as a missionary associate our last term, I was the new guy. But not only was I the new guy, after three months, I was the only guy on the team. And I tell you what, that really opened my eyes. Because I get these women on our team, these missionaries, kept calling me up and say, Colby, I need your help. What do you need? I got another man that wants to hear the gospel. But in their culture, I can't sit one-on-one -on -one with a man. It is inappropriate, and it's not going to work out. I need you to come into our meeting so that you can help share the gospel. So during three months, the, the, the first couple months of my term, I was running all over the place. And it was great. But it was also hard. And I'm saying we need men on the field to answer the call. At one point, we need both, yes. At one point, we had one of our contacts. He was a Muslim-backgrounded believer. He was a Christian is what that means. 
that converted from Islam to Christianity, and his father died. And because he was a Muslim, he converted to, from Islam to Christianity, he could not travel into his country, which he was exiled out of, and go when his father passed away. He couldn't go to his father's funeral. I got to sit down and help him through the grieving process as the only male on our team, not understanding the language at this point, and it was difficult. We need both men and women. We work together, especially in Islamic ministry. Again, women, you're doing great. But we really need men on the field, and that's urgent. We're going to go on to the next slide, and the next slide is going to go into Matthew. Actually, the next slide is a story for Cassidy. So I love this picture, by the way, the neighbors. So I'm going to share a quick story with you guys. And actually, could we go to the next slide really quick? We're going to read this first. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We can go back to the next slide. So Colby and I, in the beginning of quarantine in our part of the world, it was a wild time, you guys. There was no driving for two weeks, not allowed to drive. So Colby and I went out on the streets, and we just walked in the middle of the road, started praying, and we said, God, what is going on? There's no people on the streets. Can I ask you guys, have you ever had a moment of discouragement? I'm being honest with you. I was discouraged. Can I be honest with you guys about that? Oh, good. Oh, good. Good. I was walking, and I was thinking, oh, man, Lord, you sent us all the way over here, beginning of quarantine. There's no people out. There's no cars. How are we going to reach our people group? And Colby and I just began praying and praying, and the Holy Spirit just kept whispering to us, I've got a plan. I've got a purpose, even if you don't understand it. And Colby and I went back to our apartment. Colby and I love to worship amazing worship service this morning. Thank you, Nick and Leah, for, for leading this morning. And we had a piano in our apartment, and we decided, you know what? If all we can do is worship and pray, that's good enough. That's good enough. And so we opened our door, we opened our windows, and we just began to worship, sing, pray for about an hour. And when we were finished, we went out to our balcony. And as we went out to our balcony, we hear this voice. And it's our people group. They start speaking their language. The wife speaks pretty good English, and the husband only speaks his language. And I'm about to pee my pants, you guys, because this is a God moment. Our neighbors are our people group, and we see them on the next balcony over. This is only by the grace of God. We invite them immediately over to our home. They come. They have tea. Having tea is normal in this part of the world. So we had tea, and the husband ended up seeing Colby's Bible on our piano. And he saw this Bible. He knew it was a Bible because it had the cross, and he looked, and he just began thumbing through it, thumbing through it, going through. And he said, wow, this, this is in your language. And 
we, we didn't understand that because we thought, well, of course, it's in our, our language. And we later on began to understand, oh, in the Quran, it's Arabic. Well, his language, their language, their heart language is not Arabic. So they don't have the Quran in their heart language. So this was like, wow, to him. And in our holy book, we had English going on. And immediately the Holy Spirit just brought us to go grab a Bible in their language. Go grab a Bible. We grabbed it. We gave it to the wife. The husband grabbed it, and he just began to weep. And he said to us, and I want to say something that's very important. In our part of the world, our people group, they don't know who they can trust. Because <laughs> people are turning people in. People are throwing people to the government. People are going to jail. They don't know who to trust. But the husband and wife started talking to each other. Colby and I are thinking, oh, boy, what's going on here? Uh-oh. And they looked at us, and they said, we don't know why, but we believe we can trust you. We knew it was the Holy Spirit. But they said, we've been secret Christians for three months now. And we've been praying that the Lord would send us other believers so that we could learn more about Jesus. They've never had a Bible. Yes, please. It was like, this is all God, you guys. This is all God. And people in this part of the world are desperate for Jesus, and so many of them are coming to know Jesus. It's amazing. Later on, we asked them, well, do you want to start house church? Do you want to do discipleship? We didn't just leave them there. And they said, well, yeah, we'd love to. We started meeting with them weekly. After the third week, we always in our time together ask the question, how are we as the church going to respond and be obedient to God. We don't want to just read the scripture. We want to also apply it. And they said, you know what? We've been praying this past week. And even though we're, we've been afraid to share with our friends and other people about Jesus, we know we cannot, no matter the cost, keep it to ourselves. They could lose their jobs, you guys. They could lose their lives. Their families back in the country, their family could be persecuted. But they said, no. People, our people group, need to know Jesus Christ. They ended up sharing with their friends the next week, and their friends got saved, and they started their own house church with their friends. Wow. Only Jesus. If, if you have your English translated Bibles, <laughs> please turn to Matthew chapter 13. This is our heart that we want to give you guys today. It's that urgency to share the gospel. In Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower is one of the greatest teachings we get from Jesus because Jesus is preparing us for that work in his harvest fields. He's also preparing because we don't always know what the response is going to be. And sometimes it's scary. I'm going to be honest with you. When I'm out in Central Eurasia and I'm sharing the gospel to Muslims, I don't know what the response is going to be. And sometimes I'm a little intimidated. 
But I know because I got the Holy Spirit leading me and I got the word of God keeping me grounded, I need to share the gospel to as many Muslims that I can. That's my call where I'm at, our call in Central Eurasia. And Matthew chapter 13 is beautiful because God is preparing us. God is teaching us and preparing us to go and just to share that seed. So first, I'm going to read this for you guys. Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 3. A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But then the sun rose and they scorched, and since they had no roots, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Don't worry, I'm going to break this down. The first point, the sower. Does anyone, I'm going to ask questions because I'm used to house church. House church, we kind of interact with one another. Does anyone know what the sower is? Who is the sower? I heard it. There's Jesus, okay? That's one part. There's another person. Who else is the sower? Us, the church, the believers, okay? We are the sowers. Jesus was the first sower, praise the Lord, but we are the sowers, okay? The seed, what is the seed? The gospel. What is the soil? The hearts. There you go. I heard it. You guys have been in your word. Praise the Lord. Okay? The soil is the people that we're sharing the gospel with. Now, sometimes we don't know what the response is going to be. And sometimes, again, I said this, it's scary. But God is preparing us. Cassidy, break. actually, let me do the first one. The first one I have highlighted in red is along the path, okay? This is when the evil one snatches the word away immediately. The word is not understand, understood. No plants, not listening, okay? The sower is throwing out so much seed that sometimes it doesn't even hit the mark, and it lands on no, no fertile ground. And that's, see, when we share the gospel with Muslims, when we go out in pairs, we're actually trained, when my partner is sharing the gospel to Muhammad, that's his name, I am going to be praying for him because I want to see Pastor Muhammad. But sometimes Muhammad isn't going to accept the gospel. It happens. That's the first soil. The second soil. So then we see Chloe shared the first along the path. The second is rocky ground. Rocky ground. The one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. So this is the person who's excited, like, wow, this is awesome. Jesus. But has no root. This one endures for a while, but when tribulation or persecution comes on account of the word, this one immediately falls away. Soon, a dead plant. So this is the person who's excited, but when hard times come, they decide Jesus isn't good enough. That's the person who is saying, well, I thought this whole Jesus thing meant 
everything was going to be fixed and I was going to be happy. <laughs> Following Jesus is awesome. But that does not mean that things are going to be peachy keen. Following Jesus is a cost. And it says in his word to count the cost. So that means troubling times are going to come. And are we rooted in Jesus and the word of God or are we rooted in the world and in self? The next soil is among thorns. It's highlighted there in red for you. Among thorns. This is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. This is the guy who hears the gospel and thinks, I'm a sinner. I know I'm not a sinner. I'm a good person. We get that all the time sharing with Muslims. It's really difficult when we get to that part. I have... I, I have everything going on in my life. That's good. I don't need to accept that I'm a, I, I'm a good person. I'm okay. Why do I need to put my faith in a man who I believe is a prophet and ask him to forgive me of something that I'm not even guilty of? We get that all the time. That's difficult. That is the, un, the among thorns. The thorns choke the word of God off when we share that. What's the last one, Cass? And then we see good soil. Ooh, I love this one. I love them all, but good soil. Whoo! The one who hears the word and understands it. This one bears fruit, sometimes hundredfold, sixtyfold, or thirtyfold. Fruitful plant. Fruitful plant. Three years ago, one of my colleagues, they met with our people group, a couple, on the streets, met them, got connected with them. They ended up deciding to follow Jesus Christ, did discipleship, house church. This couple is good soil. This couple is on their 13th house church and discipling others Disciples to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. That's what it's about. Disciples that make disciples that make disciples. That's amazing. And the point is, and we want to ask the question, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? We do not, friends, we do not know the condition of the soil. We don't. When Jason goes out, he doesn't know the condition of the soil that he's reaching out to that day. But the Holy Spirit does. And we're to be used to go out and share that good news. Only the seed will reveal the condition of the soil our responsibility is to sow the gospel seed and allow the Holy Spirit to do the transforming work. It is a supernatural work of God, not, have your ears open, not the wisdom 
or the persuasiveness of us that draws people to Christ. Nope, nope, nope. (laughs) I want to tell you right now, Colby and I are not cool people. We are just average Joes (laughs) that said yes to whatever God wanted. That just said yes. We can go to the next slide over here. Next slide. I'm so sorry. Yes, can you share? Let me share this part, but one last thought on the sower. The thing about the sower is he is throwing out so much seed everywhere that he isn't actually thinking, oh, what if this person gets it? Or what if this person doesn't? We don't know that. But the sower is, is out in his field throwing so much seed that truthfully he's actually making a little bit of a mess. Okay? Some of that's going in the weeds. Some of that's going over in the rocks. Some of that's not even hitting the dirt at all. It's going over on the road. Okay? But the point is, is he's aiming for that fertile ground to reap 20, 40, 60 fold. We are simply commanded to just go and share the gospel to whoever and wherever that is. Now, one of the ways God prepares us for this is when you go down to the next verse, Matthew 13, verses 10 through 11. The great thing about our Bible studies, when we're reading these parables, we need to look between and see what historically is happening. And we learn so much about our lives as Christians through the relationship between Jesus and his disciples. A lot of people didn't understand what was going on in the parable of the sower, which was prophetic in the book of Isaiah. This was prophecies coming into flourishing. But when we watch the interactions between the disciples and Jesus, Jesus was preparing his disciples because what's going to happen in Acts, guys? You guys know? That's when the age of the church comes. That's when the Holy Spirit comes. And that's when we start sharing this stuff out. But Jesus is preparing us through being in the word and being empowered with the Holy Spirit and simply spending time, which we see that. Let me read Matthew 13, 10 first. Then the disciples came and said, why do you speak to them in the parables? And he answered to them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Verse 16, but blessed are your eyes, for they see in your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it and hear and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. We get to understand these things and see simply that we are to share this seed with as many people as possible. But God prepares us through spending time in our abide time. When we go out in central Eurasia, before I go out, I had better get on my hands and knees and ask God, Lord, I'm about to share the gospel to Muslims. I was born in America, in the West. I speak English. I'm learning the language. It's it's coming. It's taking a while. (laughs) I'm getting there. But I need your help, Holy Spirit. And we do that through our abide time. John 15, 5. I am the vine, Jesus. Jesus, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I can do nothing. When I meet Ali and he begins to try to tear into my beliefs polemically as a Christian, and sometimes I'm getting frustrated because sometimes Muslims ask you the toughest questions. And sometimes the best answer I can give is, hey, that's a good question. Let me get back to you next week. Do you want to meet for coffee next week and talk about this? Okay, praise the Lord. That's a good answer in your evangelism, guys, okay? It really works. Meet with them regularly. But I have to understand it is not through my charisma. 
It is not through my persuasiveness, as my wife said. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit and me abiding with Jesus that I can bear fruit, that I can reap a harvest. Because I am, I want to be that fertile soil. I have received the gospel, and I want to produce a crop 20, 40, 60, 80 fold. I want to be a producer of the gospel. I want to lead people into his, into his kingdom. And we want to end today. I'm going to let my wife do the ender, but we're going to end today, and we're going to actually lead you guys in a dangerous prayer together. And our heart is, yes, I'm a product of a missionary coming one day, and that missionary speaking and getting called myself overseas. That happened to me eight years ago on a mission Sunday just like this. Statistically, 1%, there could be someone here called to go. And if the Lord is speaking to you, I want to talk with you, and I want to pray with you, and I want to encourage you. But for the 99% that are going to be here today in Bellingham, it's no different. We are that fertile soil. We are the sowers, and we are to share this gospel. And we are to be led by the Holy Spirit. We are to abide in the Holy Spirit. We are to abide in Christ, and Christ will abide in us, as it says there in John 15, 5. So we just want to end on that in the dangerous prayer. I want us to just take a moment and what Colby said, dangerous prayer. That's kind of intimidating when you hear dangerous prayer because that's like, whoa, God's going to use me. Go. Therefore, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. I am with you always to the end of age. I didn't know I was going to cry. <laughs> That's Jesus' command. It wasn't a suggestion, friends. It was not a suggestion. It was his command to go and make disciples. When Colby and I came back to Washington stateside, Colby and I felt such a spirit of heaviness and darkness in Washington state. Colby and I love Washington. We, we are from Washington. This is our state. But I'm telling you guys, as there's unreached people in Eurasia that need Jesus, there are lost people right here in Washington that need Jesus. And you all have that. And this is God's grand 
plan. What an amazing plan that we get to be invited and participate in. God's grand plan. So if you want to come up, I want to just say, if you want to come up to this altar and just say, God, I'm going to pray a dangerous prayer today. You can come up here. You can go over there. You can stand. You can kneel. But this is our challenge to you today. Bless the City Church. We need to be people again who are weeping for the lost. Just as Jesus does. That's God's heart. God, we just thank you. From Washington State to Central Asia, we just lay hands on them. And we join our hearts with them. And we say, God, would you bless them? You should give them great favor with people. May they have more than they need for all that you're calling them to do. We pray you'd protect their minds, God, from, from discouragement and distraction. God, you're faithful. And we just say from Bellingham, Washington, we bless you. We pray, Spirit of God, that you would pour yourself out on them in such a mighty way. You would use them so powerfully that the center of your Asia, God, there would be a bright light that would shine from there, that we would see an incredible amount of good soil, hearts and lives transformed for Jesus. We say that those in darkness, a great light has come upon you. And we just thank you, God, for the great light of the gospel over this couple. Let's pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, before we dismiss, um, Colby, I'm going to ask if you could pray in Farsi over us. And let's just receive this. And let's, hey, I think fear needs to be kicked to the road in our life. We're so done with fear. Amen? That we would, we would walk it out, what God has for us here. Amen. 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 Well, hey, at the back there, we have those cards. Let's, we're going to support them as a church. If you want to support them individually, that's great too. Um, but let's give them lots of cash. Amen.